Wessex LMCs supporting you and your practice. Good morning. Um, I'm today. I'm with Dr. Carl Graham, a GP at Hedgen Medical Centre and a locality clinical director for West Hampshire CCG. And I think you also lead on IT, don't you, Carl? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been doing that uh, for, uh, since the CCGs uh, uh, came to be a few years back. So yeah, been doing that for for some time. So what led you into your interest in IT? Oh, I've been interested in IT, Nigel. I think since I was a youngster, uh, since my dad first brought home a our first computer, an Atari 600XL for those IT geeks out there who remember such devices. Uh, and I've been playing with IT ever since. Really sad, but I also remember the uh, Atari computers. So uh, uh, I'm probably a generation before you, but I still remember them. Um, so in your IT, I mean, you know, you and I have known each other for quite a long time. And uh, I know that within your practice, you've really capitalized on using IT to support your practice. So would you like to just give me a bit of information about what you, you know, how you've utilized IT to help um, workload and support your workforce in your practice? Yeah, so we look at uh, IT as being a tool that should make our lives easier and allow us to do things more efficiently and effectively. So we try and make best use of the tools we've got. Um, clearly our main clinical system, uh, EMIS Web, uh, is key to that and we look to, to make use of all the features we can with that. So for example, we make uh, great use of templates, of um, pre-filled forms, of shortcuts, of uh, uh, plugins like Accurix uh, uh, and eConsult, of course. All of these tools that we have can enable us to, to be more efficient and effective uh, and help us uh, make best use of our time. I mean, I know your practice is one of the practices that maximizes the use of eConsult. So do you want to just tell us what you've done with eConsult and what the benefits you've seen in your practice are? Yeah, sure, Nigel. So we've been using eConsult for, 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 for several years now. We, um, we acquired the tool through, uh, through a commercial arrangement initially prior to it being available through NHS funding. So our practice took the decision to, uh, to invest in that tool because we saw that as a, a, a way of doing something different. And we started off by wanting to make it a core part of our work, uh, particularly uh, uh, for urgent same-day care, which is where eConsult really came to, uh, uh, came to our attention. And we, we set about by placing it as, as the first route into, into our services as much as possible. So we heavily promoted it uh, and we wanted to uh, uh, demonstrate to our patients that by using this tool, they would get a quicker, more effective response. So we put a big resource into, into making sure we uh, responded uh, quickly to those uh, concerns. And particularly, we wanted to do better than we promised. That was a mantra that, that I put out to our practice. We want to do better than we promise. Uh, so that the, the promise that eConsult uh, uh, makes to patients is that they'll get a response by the end of the next working day. That's the, how most practices typically use it. We wanted to try and deliver as much as possible same day response. And that way, we would uh, hopefully encourage patients to see the benefits of it. And the great benefits of eConsult are really about giving the GP uh, much more information about what the patient might need, want, uh, 
before that contact is made so they can be uh, either appropriately signposted to a, a, a service that can deliver that or that the consultation could be more efficient. And have you found benefits in sort of reducing number of face-to-face consultations before COVID happened? Um, I mean, I, I know from, you know, talking to some practices, they may get three or four reconsults a day, whereas I think your practice have significantly more than that. Certainly, yeah, we get uh, hundreds every week, so uh, it, it's, uh, it's a core part of our work. Uh, I think the question about how it affects demand on services, of course, is a complex one because uh, there are many changes that have happened over the years that we've been using eConsult, and, and it's uh, it's and my practice particularly has got a whole lot bigger over that period of time. So uh, I, I think um, I think it's always difficult to give that definitive answer to uh, to has it uh, changed the the, uh, the number of patients that access our care. I mean, one thing I've always said when asked that question, Nigel, is that. Um, We operate um, with a similar amount of capacity in our same day services we did a few years ago, but we've got a lot more patients. And I think what that what that perhaps is suggesting is that we are able to deal with them more efficiently uh, using that tool. And talking to some GPs who push back a bit about that sort of technology is that when you talk to them, they've kept the same number of appointments in their surgery, but added e-consult on the end. So their concern is if I have five e-consult on top of my surgery, that's more work. How have you addressed that in your practice? Do you give people slots for the e-consult or do you just add it onto the end of your surgery? Absolutely, we, we have slots for, for, for using e-consult. They are part of the, the doctor's work. And that was, again, one of the big, the, 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 the important messages I wanted to give to our teams when we introduced this was that this is not about having a whole lot of extra work to do after your normal work. This becomes part of your normal work and it will give you more information about those patients that you might choose to contact by telephone or that you might respond remotely. So, so no clinician in our practice is expect to, expected to respond or manage e-consults without uh, time allocated to do that properly and I think that's fundamental to how this system works because if you don't do that then then uh, then it's unlikely to be effective within a practice and 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 I suspect the the sort of default responses will be you know well I need to see the patient I need to speak to them in an appointment and it just becomes another step to getting an appointment which is not that's not useful it needs to add value. I mean, you've talked about plugins. So presumably, as we go forward, if um, any of these um, online tools need to be integrated with our clinical system, so whether it's AccuRx, um, you know, eConsult, anything else, what we want is a suite of tools that are not standalone, but are, are, are talking to each other. I mean, that doesn't seem to me to be very far away. Would you agree? I'd agree with that. Integration is really important to to productivity and user experience, um, and and these tools are are integrated uh, to to a significant degree already. So we've uh, we've mentioned eConsult, and that has integration now with clinical systems and also with the uh, NHS app. So patients can use a single access point through the NHS app. app. Accurix, the uh, uh, texting service that we've referred to. Uh, uh, is integrated with uh, with clinical systems, uh, 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 both in terms of sending messages out, but also in terms of receiving uh, uh, responses now that accurates can uh, re- receive uh, photos, for example. And we're making use of that in my practice where we ask patients to send uh, pictures if they haven't initially done so in their e-consult or if they've contacted us by telephone about, for example, a, a skin lesion or a rash. We'll often 
ask them to send a photo in prior to the GP calling them so they've got additional information. But just one word of caution for people listening to this is they need to be careful what images they're sending. Um, and there's good guidance. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's really helpful, Carl. So actually, we were going to talk about um, electronic referral service. So let's move on to that. It was a really interesting discussion for me about um, online consultation. So we seem to be everywhere in the NHS, we have three-letter acronyms. So um, you're not allowed to have two letters and you're not allowed to have four letters. But you know, some of us grew up with the introduction of Choose and Book, which then became ERS. Are they one and the same thing? Yeah, so Choose and Book was launched as the first national um, electronic referral system in 2005, and it became uh, a new service uh, was launched in 2015 called the NHS e-referral service. The functionality was identical. So in simple terms, yes, they're, they're the same thing. They look and feel very similar and they do the same jobs, although the um, e-referral system has had some development since 2015. Okay, so um, the NHS Constitution offers patient choice. Um, so in the, you know, dare I say, pre-Chosen book, we could write a, a letter and sign it on those things called pieces of paper, which we're using less of now. And then we could refer them to, you know, most hospitals. You know, many years ago, we were restricted. Then it became much more open. But one of the challenges that GPs have is quite often when they're trying to do referrals through ERS, the people they can refer to is quite restricted. Does that does that conflict with the NHS constitution? So uh, patients have a, a constitutional uh, right, as you say, Nigel, to choose their hospital and clinical team. Uh, the e-referral platform does support that uh, uh, those options, so uh, patients don't lose any choice by using e-referrals. Um, uh, consultant teams are are available as separate uh, as separate options for referral through e-referral system for, for most providers uh, not all that's, that's certainly the case but the vast majority do now have named consultants on their uh, on their e-referral uh, options yeah so would it be fair to say the, the restrictions on referrals are about a commissioning issue rather than a IT issue yeah, they, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, the platform's okay. a whole range of options, yeah. So going, going on to my theme of three-letter acronyms, um, some of the discussion as we've, you know, going through COVID and we're trying to do this restoration and recovery, so restoring outpatients, uh, people are talking about a RAS system. What's, what's a RAS system? So a RAS system uh, stands for Referral Assessment Service, and referral assessment services allow the provider to review the referral information prior to an appointment being offered uh, and so appropriately triage that uh, referral and perhaps consider different options such as arranging uh, diagnostics prior to an appointment uh, or determining what sort of appointment would be most appropriate or perhaps responding to the referral with advice. So they, it gives flexibility for uh, pathways to operate uh, where complexity is such that uh, a single just booking an appointment might not be the best option. So it's not just a system where the advices go back to your GP, have all these tests and then send the results to me and I'll give you another opinion. Well, it could be, Nigel. It could be. Of course, it depends on how the, uh, how the providers determine to use the system, but uh, uh, it shouldn't be designed for that um, uh, but sometimes that might be an appropriate response and, and it's all about how the system chooses to use the, the tools, of course. 
And this is where I think if we work with our colleagues in secondary care, we can make that work for us. So, you know, some of the time we, we are literally looking for an, an opinion rather than they need to see the patient. And I know talking to some GPs in London where a similar service is working for renal services, they've reduced outpatients by about 80%. Actually, without transferring any work to GPs, they just do most of it remotely, which is um, if you get rid of the tariff for an outpatient appointment being seen face-to-face, you can manage some of these patients in a different way. But I think we just need to be careful that um, hospital outpatient isn't then just pushed to general practice to um, work as the um, where you and I might have been uh, houseman in the years gone past that we're not there to do, you know, secondary care have got to pick up the work that they need to do rather than just push it back. Okay, that, that's that's helpful. Um, are all hospitals, let's go on to advice and guidance. So one of the innovations that occurred after the introduction of Choose and Book was rather than just a referral sent through to a consultant, you could ask for advice and guidance. So are all hospitals required to have an advice and guidance service with, within ERS? So the vast majority of uh, hospitals and services do have advice and guidance, Nigel. Uh, it's not mandatory to offer advice and guidance through e-referrals, but most providers have chosen to offer their advice and guidance through that platform. And in, in your experience working at the CCG and having your interest in IT, do, do most hospitals or through the contracting um, with commissioners have a response time to those because i think sometimes gps feel they ask for the advice and it sits in this black hole and they don't know when or if they're going to get a response yeah i think it is variable nigel i think that's fair to say um my experience is that the majority uh, of certainly the vast majority of uh, advice and guidance requests that I've made have been responded to uh, very promptly with just in just a few days. Um, I have heard um, of, of different experiences, but I think more and more as this has become uh, embedded within uh, hospitals as part of their, their general workload, that things do seem to operate well in most cases. So you probably need to know your hospital and know the services that are likely to be responsive. Okay. So um, some, sometimes People have said to me that, 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 well, obviously the limit with advice and guidance is you ask a question, then you get a single response back. And I think some people have described it as a, asynchronous consultation, uh, which I'm not quite sure how I, how I understand that. But it's just a one way a message and a message comes back. Can it, can it be more sophisticated than that? Yeah, yes, it can be more sophisticated than that, Nigel. Uh, that would be uh, uh, the, the one question, one answer response was initially how advice and guidance launched, but it's been improved since then. And now uh, the conversation can continue uh, for as long as uh, as long as the uh, uh, GP wishes to continue asking questions or, or getting clarification. Uh, or if the uh, provider needs needs clarification, and there's also options to attach uh, uh, to add attachments, documents, or other pieces of information from the clinical record. Um, so, for example, I, I, I uh, have used it uh, a number of times to get advice regarding um, uh, abnormalities on an ECG, for example, where clearly attaching the ECG for the cardiologist to look at is is critical to that being okay that, that's that's really helpful because also i mean i think that gives it an audit trail as well whereas in the past when we might have sent a fax or something there's it's sometimes difficult to prove what's gone on and, and an audit trail okay um i gather in your ccg you've got something called a referral support service what, what's can you just describe what that does to support um referrals and support practices 
certainly Nigel. So um, our referral support service at West Hampshire CCG uh, supports practices by uh, acting as administrative and clinical support to referrals. So rather than GPs or their practices needing to spend time trying to work out which of many possible services and options might be appropriate for a patient, and, and all GPs who've made referrals will know that the complexity of hospital systems now is such that it can be difficult to know which of many specialist clinics might uh, might be best for patients. The referral support service has expertise to uh, to support practices uh, to to make the right referral. So rather than making the referral directly, the GP refers uh, using e-referrals to the referral support service, and the referral support service will then. Uh, uh, assess the referral uh, and uh, create the onward referral to the right service uh, or provide feedback to the GP in some cases if, if, if different pathways might be more appropriate for that patient. So it takes that administrative burden away from, from practices particularly. I, I can see that might be quite popular with practice. Have you had any pushback where people feel they've lost some control? Um, uh, no, I think it's generally been very well, uh, very, very well accepted um, uh, and supported. Um, I think it was uh, always designed to make sure that the uh, the default position wasn't that lots of referrals being returned with with advice exactly in the way as we've touched on earlier. That uh, this is not about uh, just blocking referrals; it's about making sure patients get to, to the right uh, service uh, uh, at the right time. Um, so I think it's been very positively received. So presumably if a GP wanted to directly book and send things, you know, direct to a particular hospital, they don't need to use the service. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's optional. So yeah. uh, uh, in some cases uh, we would, uh, of course, still want to make referrals directly, particularly for those things, for example, like two week waits uh, referrals, they're always made directly and a number of, uh, for community services, for example, then those referrals can go uh, to those community services. So, so it's optional and can be used when, when, when needed. Which addresses some of the problems early on where it felt that referral management services were a way of blocking referrals. So if it's there in, as an option and support, that's, that's really helpful. Um, one, one final thing, which actually a GP asked me recently, is um, if they use ERS to send a referral and the, and the referral just gets bounced back without being seen by a clinician, it's an administrative thing at the hospital, um, this one was related to, actually to neurology, where they said there's not a diagnosis here, so we can't um, do any advice and guidance for that, and just bounced it back to the GP. And it just seemed, well, you know, sometimes we refer people because we don't know what the diagnosis is. Where, where do GPs go if they're having problems like that? Would it be to the hospital or would it be to the CCG? I think it depends on the. Uh, I think it depends on the context. The, the, the neurology issue that you refer to, Nigel, I think uh, reflects uh, some providers' uncertainty about providing advice to patients they don't already know. And, and, and I have heard that particularly being a question uh, uh, or being a, an issue that, that's been raised. Uh, I mean, I think in the end, GPs can make referrals, of course, directly to that provider. And, and if advice and guidance has not been a useful pathway for that patient, then then, of course, a, a traditional referral could be made or perhaps, uh, you know, contact made uh, by other means to that service. Uh, of course, we are always able to telephone uh, traditionally and speak to uh, colleagues if that's more helpful. Um, I mean, in the end, uh, advice and guidance is a tool. If that tool isn't providing what's needed, then, then one needs to look elsewhere. 
certainly in terms of uh, feedback, uh, uh, always very happy to hear from, from practices, uh, feedback of what's not working well in the system in terms of the services that we commission as a CCG, of course. So uh, uh, contact can be made through uh, PCN or clinical directors and so on, if that's helpful. Okay. Um, anything else you, you want to say about um, ERS or, or advice and guidance that we haven't covered? I think we've covered all the key issues, Nigel. Okay. Um, many thanks, Carl, for your time, your, the information and your wisdom. Always um, good to talk to you. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, Nigel. Wessex LMCs, supporting you and your practice.